Hey, uh, Jimmy Valentine, that was a really great game-winning score you had there at the sporting event. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. You can look for that card really soon at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. They got tons of sports memorabilia. Jimmy Valentine, RKO Radio News. Jimmy, what makes Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics your favorite comic store in the Colorado area? I'm telling you, forget about it. A comic collector like me, I can save 20% on a hold slot. Duh. Plus, it's hard for me. I'm on the road all the time. If I want the amazing Spider-Man and I'm not around, it's in my hold slot. Jimmy Valentine, what do you have to say about your recent allegations about steroid use? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question, but I am going to tell you that if I want to get Magic the Gathering cards, I go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. <laughs> the little square Jimmy Jr., he loves those. So go to 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Nevada, Colorado. They'll take really good care of you. Hold on, Jimmy. One Jimmy, more question. One more question Wait, no, no, don't go yet. Does this sound familiar? You're interested in purchasing that new action figure, but aren't sure if it's worth it? Well, come check out PlasticExplosion.com, where you can go to find all the latest and greatest action figure previews and reviews. Every week, they'll be bringing you reviews and picks from your favorite collections, such as DC Universe, Masters of the Universe Classics, Marvel Universe, Star Wars, Transformers, and many more. Come check us out at PlasticExplosion.com. That's PlasticExplosion.com. Barbecue that can't be beat. Try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust full flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoke and taste on everything you eat, try new Birdman Smoke and Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores. Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop Off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Ryan. To my right is... James. To my left is... Brad. And we are the Real Nerds. We are. This week, we saw Skyfall. I'm changing it because I don't want them to listen to it like, hey, you was money, asshole. So I changed it just enough. So like, I guess that's kind of it, but not really. So we can't sue them. And, you know, because MGM needs money and I don't want them to sue me and... I'm looking out for everybody on this podcast, guys. Uh, as you're the star. I figure if they're going to sue us, they're going to sue you. Exactly. So I'll safe. probably put the actual song in. So <laughs> just wasting my time. It's got to. It's got to be in uh, public domain by now, right? There's, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Those books I'm sure, are I'm sure they in let that shit lapse. Fifties, forties. Uh, no, I'm sixties, right? Sixty-two yeah. is the first James Bond. Yeah. Well, they made the movie in the sixties, but I mean, the books were before uh, that, right? Well, the uh, books yeah. didn't come with a soundtrack, Brad. <laughs> 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 there were people at home reading Ian Fleming books going, it's written in the book. That'd be awesome. And they're <laughs> contacting great. the composer, just like, okay, all you got to do is translate. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> uh, that's how I'm going to imagine kids in the 50s from now on. Like, they're all upstairs reading their books, singing the, the theme song that they would later make for the movie That'd adaptation. Be awesome. <laughs> you know, that's the one thing that I don't like about Jurassic Park, the book. There's literally pages of computer code written in the book. I mean, so maybe Ian Fleming did write the the 
dum da dum 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 part. In the late 40s, there were little kids running around the street waving their Superman comics in the air and singing the John Williams score. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, guess what? If you're new to our what? podcast and you've never listened to us before, every week we go see the new big movie sometimes. and Sometimes we see the new hopefully good movie. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for the review of that movie at the end of the podcast. We also give you box office numbers, what's coming out. We also do a comic book corner and what we've been watching and some news. But you and know we, what? We don't say often enough that once we play the trailer... We'll start getting into spoilers afterwards because it's hard to talk about movies without spoiling them. So just be forewarned, especially with this one, because some people might listen to it having not seen the movie. So Exactly. But every once in a while, once in a blue moon, guys, we get fan mail. Ooh. And so that's what I'm going to hit you with right now. Fan mail. It's going to be really short this week, I promise. Fan mail! So this week in fan mail, we got one piece of fan mail. And is it even a fan? Is it, <laughs> I mean, he's just being nice to us. Jonathan Tiersen, who we did an interview with at Mile High Horror Fest, uh, was nice enough to not only you know give us a shout out when I told him that we put up his interview this week. He also sent us something on our realnerdspodcast.com page, Ooh. which he said, I'm about to rub the pork tenderloin in your honor. <laughs> now, I don't know. <laughs> is he in the ocean room? I don't know if he's in the ocean room or if he is really barbecuing because he invited us to his house for barbecue. Oh, right. I forgot about that. So, I just assumed he was talking about masturbating because he told us which room. Well, he said there was he only masturbated once in that room. So there's a different room he does yes. a lot in. So the ocean room in his house, he said he masturbated in. And if we ever went to his house, that's the room we'd be staying in. So. <laughs> um and if you listen to our interview with Jonathan, you know that he's a kooky guy and he's really funny and he's just being silly. Yeah, I'm and sure we like him a lot. Not true at all. <laughs> we, I, I, I told him uh, on Facebook that he's one of my favorite interviews, and it's true because I love oh, yeah. his honesty. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to our interview with Jonathan, please do. Also, you can go back and listen to the Battery Film Crew. Uh, actually, I guess the creators of the Battery. We did an interview with them at Telluride Horror Show, which um, I did listen through again. And last week you gave me a hard time, and you were like, "Oh." You insulted the battery crew. And I was like, no, that's not what I was trying to say. Ryan, Brad interrupted me. I was trying to say that they did an amazing job and that there were things I didn't want to see the behind the scenes of. That and of doesn't course, sound like it in, it in the interview. No, I, I know it doesn't. I know <laughs> it doesn't. That's not what I meant. I hope I didn't piss anybody off. Anyways, this week, we'll be putting up the interview with Raphael, who did A Quiet Girl's Guide to Violence. Um, we also talk about some Brian Michael Bendis, who wrote, who writes, wrote, who writes amazing, not nah, dude who writes ultimate spider-man yeah. and avengers and all a bunch of, of other things oh yeah he just wanted to after a while he just wanted to geek out with us so yeah we, so it was goes awesome all over the place. so that's a fun interview um and his his uh short at the horror show was really good if you haven't had a chance to see it as i addressed last week i say some stupid shit in his interview as well do you I oh don't yeah remember well because i'm talking about the dark knight returns and i totally i remember that all wrong but no you did that's right yeah what an idiot i know so thanks again for everybody who sat down and talked to us. So you can listen to The Battery, Jonathan Tiersten, and this week, stay tuned for Raphael, who's a great filmmaker. He was so cool. He was. But you know what it's time for now, boys? Box office stats. What was the number one movie? Only one way to find out. The internet. Or by us right now. This is the box office stats. Um, not surprisingly, Wreck-It Ralph was the number one movie last week. Hard to beat a kid's film. With $49 million in box office receipts. Not surprising. And the movie's really good, so I expect it to hold up pretty well. 
I'm uh, actually surprised that Flight did as well as it did. That's right. Two. And we also saw Flight, and it did 24 million, which is crazy because it's only in 1,800 theaters, which translates to I think almost the highest average. If Wreck-It Ralph didn't do so much, I think it's 12,000 per theater, which is a lot for a drama about alcoholism. Which they you go actually, into, you're like, oh, sweet, this is going to be about an investigation of a plane crash and how he's able to go. No, if it's basically telling you that cocaine's a great drug. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a democracy. Me and Brad feel the same way, so me and Brad are right. This is not a democracy. It's a democratic republic. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. DVD and Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. I did a dramatic pause there in case you guys weren't sure what I was doing. Like, hey, what the fuck are you doing, asshole? And I was like, dramatic pause. And you're all like, oh, fucking, we don't care. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. It's always hard to say DVD and Blu-rays because it's hard to not say it the way that uh, the guy who does our interstitials, Joe, uh, <laughs> yeah. does it. DVD and Blu-rays. It's just, it's just awesome. I love that you said interstitials. That was really nice. Thank you. That's really the word that. that is appropriate for what we call those. I would call them intros, so I'm not as smart as you. Yeah. I uh, mean, I mean, no, you're smart. Bro. Um, I'm really excited next week because the big release, of course, is Savages, which is Oliver Stone's <laughs> next great movie. I don't know. His I don't know how you masterpiece. Got that his next great. I guess it'd be his current masterpiece. I don't know. I never saw it. It looked like the same drug movie that I have seen plenty of times. Yeah, so I'll probably. Rent I'm it. not a big fan of drug movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's you know. Drug, I like Harold and drug. Kumar because they're stupid and they're right. funny. Yeah, yeah. That's a different kind of drug movie. You know, this is. Uh, what do you call them? Um, cartels. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Who cares? And you really buy Selma Hayek as being evil? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I saw her do that dance in From Dust Till Dawn. I was going to say, I don't buy her as a vampire either. I know, right? Also, the real movie you should probably get next week is Brave, which yeah. is being released. I think there's three versions of it. I'm actually really excited to see that movie again because I feel like uh, having a little distance from seeing it in the theater and all of that, I'm going to get a, a more honest reaction out of myself because, you know, is it the best Pixar movie ever? No, but I did really enjoy it at the time, so I want to revisit yep, it. Yep, definitely. And you know what? I love the, uh, no matter what anybody says, Disney Blu-rays are the best Blu-rays they on are the market. They are fantastic, yeah. Um, the Watch also comes out, if I remember correctly. It does. Which came out this year. Remember that movie, guys? <laughs> um <laughs> There's and also a, uh, this is the, actually one I've been waiting for for quite a while, uh, is a, a Blu-ray release of Lawrence of Arabia, uh, which I have not seen since I was pretty young and yeah. did not, I didn't like that movie. Um, <laughs> when but, you're young, I can see why. Yeah. I oh yeah. It it's, in a, years. it's a slow. But, but you get excited when, you know, David watches it in Prometheus. You're like, oh, I, I, no, I, 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 I want to see this movie again. Uh, yeah. I'll be totally honest with you. That's totally what it was. And, <laughs> and I'd seen stuff about them doing this, this conversion and, and uh, releasing it on Blu-ray and. Anytime that they start talking about the history of film and like why a movie is important and how how good it's going to look on Blu-ray, I I just get excited. I can't help it. And you know, like I've said many times, I've been going back and watching older movies because I have such a bigger appreciation for film now than when I was younger. And so it's fun to go back and revisit movies like that from yeah. you know the bygone era of Hollywood. Anything else of importance coming out, James? Not really. The first half of the new season of Doctor Who comes out this week, but uh, I have a feeling... Okay, everybody's already asleep. Hey. <laughs> I don't think that they've ever split the seasons before, um, so probably this is a, a partial thing, and later they'll do a real release of it. So. Is, is it isn't the Ninja Turtles uh, box coming out? I, I don't know. You're the Ninja Turtles guy. I'm not seeing it on this I haven't list. seen it on here, there either. Yeah. Yeah. I've been scrolling did. through here looking for uh, Because shark that movies, is sweet. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's literally the van from the cartoon, cartoon. Yeah. and it has all the DVDs. And There's blue, a Scooby-Doo and van. 
that comes out this week. Um, oh, there is there is a trilogy, but the the image they have isn't for the van. So, oh no, yeah, here it is. Here it is. I did find it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it is. Out this yeah, it's badass. Just, it's pretty far down there. It's down with like Empire of the Sun and Amazing Nature 3D. Uh, used to be up at the top. Oh well. I mean, is it expensive? I haven't even looked at the price. Um, uh, you, I've seen it on Amazon. It's supposed to be ninety nine bucks, but I've seen it uh, pre order like at sixty nine. That's so, not bad. How many yeah. episodes do you get? You only get ten years worth of. But so, some of the later seasons are just like six episodes. But still, so. I mean, it has to be over a hundred episodes, right? I think so. That's not a bad deal for sixty bucks. The, the middle seasons have like thirty, forty episodes or something like that on them. I think that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I always equate it to how much entertainment you're getting out of it. The problem is I have all the DVDs, so it's just a matter of getting the van or not. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't change. They're the same disc arts, and it's basically instead of having the the cases, you get a turtle van to storm in. <laughs> they so. had to do like they did for the, if you bought the extended editions of The Lord of the Rings. When you bought the last one, you got a coupon. Mail, yeah, mail away for mail the box. for the box for like $3. You just paid shipping and handling, and they mailed the box as if you had bought the whole collection, hmm. which is really cool. The nicest thing they ever did for Lord of the Rings fans, because the rest of the time they were just double dipping constantly. Um, but still, yeah, it'd be nice if they did that sometimes with those with those releases, especially if they're not actually changing the content at all. Awesome! Thanks, Digital Bits, for your DVD art and Blu-ray section. You can click on it, takes you to Amazon, and it supports the bits. James, it's the moment you've been waiting for all week long unspool that real news it's real news i don't want to be held responsible for this this is too much pressure you know how um like antiquated that is now like they don't even have reels oh, anymore <laughs> yeah well like that guy we talked at at uh at my Eye horror who was who came up and like was trying to school us on film and i was like yeah no i understand that they don't have it anymore but that's okay oh yeah the dude every time we leave rat alone some some mean guys like hey hey your podcast sucks (laughs) thanks man thanks (laughs) stop by which is fine if people don't like us but it's always when brad's by himself they must pick out the the weak one of the herd or something i don't know attract assholes yeah (laughs) are you attracted assholes i don't know it's probably and, and what was part. the? They definitely attract talkers tell you, in movies. The Telluride Horror Show was it was that alcoholic dude. Well, he wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't. He, he was the, the guy who ran the website that was horrible. What was yeah. his name? Oh, I forget, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Quiet Earth, Quiet Earth guy, yeah. be, and is also the guy who ran the Telluride Horror Show. So that guy's an asshole. Yeah. So if you ever listen to this, Quiet Earth, you're an asshole. Yeah. You know what? I hope he you write off, our show came off like because I will read it on air, and we'll have a little war. And we will find out why we're better than it, you. Honestly, it came down to the things that he was saying, which were very much the opposite of what we always say about, like, you know, you should want to like a movie. He he was very contentious. He was more yeah. like, no, 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 a movie has to prove itself to me. I'm like, no, that's not, no, no, no. Well, my wife we told me that he introduced uh, that one movie she saw that she didn't care for, and she said he was even a douche when he was, like, introducing the movie. Yeah. When we saw King Kong there, John Davison was awesome. He was talking about how a you know, amazing it was when you saw it on the big screen and you know what the real reason is though. The real reason is this when, when Brad was talking to him and Brad mentioned something about, Oh, we're going to go see the battery. He totally bashed the battery and was like, Oh, I heard it's not that good. No one had seen the movie except for the (laughs) friends of the family who who made the movie like, and and the people who programmed it screen them. So yeah, but that was like Ted and his wife. Like, come on. It was not. It was not that guy. It was definitely not that guy. <laughs> he just wanted you to go see the movie he was promoting there. 
I'm just saying, don't talk bad about the battery. That's right. Oh, anyway, we have actual news this week. Actual news. Uh, not a lot of stuff. Uh, the Alamo Draft House uh, is not going to let latecomers uh, into movies anymore. So if you get good, I no, I I know. I kind of want to talk about this. Like, when is we, that open here in Colorado? Because that's going to be our next a while. cinema. It looks almost done. I drive by it every time I go home now. Good. Because when last I checked, they still weren't hiring or anything though, so it may take a while once they get the building. Yeah, I'm sure because they have you know they have to do code and everything. But yeah, like today there's a lady to your left, Brad, who kept on checking her fucking phone. Yeah, yep. it always catch my eye. And you know what? If we were at the Alamo Draft House, she would be kicked out. Yeah. Well, and um, you know we did. I, there was one movie that we got too late this year, and that was Haywire. But we we try real hard not to. We were late to Haywire. Yeah, well, I got in there for uh, on time, but you and I believe Laura was with us uh, got some popcorn and stuff, and so you guys got in like during the Channing Tatum. Oh, that's uh, right. Fight I didn't see. I, I mean, didn't see the very, very beginning of it. Uh, and I you was, know what? I, I didn't miss anything. I know. I was gonna say I was the one who liked that movie the most, and I would still say like, eh, <laughs> you know, but, you may I mean, miss the best I mean, movie, I mean, the, the best cha- scene in the movie. The, I, but. I saw the Channing Tatum fight. Yeah, but, but early on, I think oh, the no, tension before that yeah, you missed. Yeah, that was good. Um, but uh, still, I think it's a good thing. Um, I wish more movies did it, honestly. Uh, I hate I hate when people come in like during the trailers uh, and are looking for seats and stuff like that. You don't see it as much anymore because I think they've all been trained that, like, no, no, if you come in that late, you just take a seat wherever you can. Um, but, you know, we stood for an hour and 15 minutes for the movie that we saw tonight. We so. did. And that's partially because of me because I'm crazy like that. But, um Something really weird happened this week, which was that a rumor started that Mark Wahlberg was going to be in Transformers 2, and then... Two. Transformers 4, I mean. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and then Michael Bay got online and was like, no, no, not true. Like, it's just he and I are buddies because he's in pain and gain. And then Michael Bay, because he's crazy, just decides, like, well, that's a, that's a good idea. So he writes my uh, Mark Wahlberg into the movie. So now Mark Wahlberg is going to be in Transformers 4, which... Nice. Uh, eh. <laughs> that really that's what's gonna not sell you on the movie is mark Wahlberg. no, no i mean <laughs> i i think it's a bad sign that you're trying to like start a new trilogy of movies and go in a different direction and everything and while you're scripting you just sort of decide like well i want mark Wahlberg in this so start writing him in i don't know it seems weird to me um but the really appalling news this week was uh the world war z trailer came out uh, and the internet exploded um not as much as it did last week for star wars but Boy, people hate this trailer. I watch it. I don't think it's really that bad. Um, I think if it were I Am Legend 2, it would be pretty good because the CG is not very good and it's the, it feels very much the same. You know, aesthetically, it's still like, oh, here's some people in New York and they got to get on a helicopter and get out of town and there's crazy swarms of people everywhere. But I mean, there was some effective parts and I thought the beginning actually when Brad Pitt and his family were talking and then they're all... yeah. Being, people are running away from stuff I thought was interesting. Um, I mean, I yeah, the, yeah, the CG was... Uh, hopefully, they'll. I'm sure they'll clean it up. But when they're running down the alley and all those zombies are, like, falling over... And, I mean, I think the ideas are cool. Like, the zombies crawling o- over each other to get over a yes. wall is cool. Um, but, yeah, when it's not convincing CGI, it's it more, sucks. And what, why do they have to do CGI? I don't get it. Well, and I think it's more... Well, when you have that many zombies, you kind of have to. Um, I, to me, the problem is more the way they move... Um, because they move faster, they move like an entity, 
not like a bunch of people. So they move like a wave and things like that. And it looks kind of interesting, but the problem is they, they don't move like human beings running really fast or human beings crawling all over people. They, they, they move like one big mass of yeah. people. Uh, and uh, it's just not, it looks fake. Yeah, I know a friend of the show, uh, Dana, from Not Literally, hated it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, she said something about it. I don't remember what, exactly what she said about it, but um, I can see that. I just, I'll always give it a chance because I really enjoyed the the movie. The book. I mean, the book. <laughs> Thank you. But we'll but it, see. It I looks nothing like the book, right? Like, you no. read the book. It's not following any story. No, I mean, the book is Brad Pitt's character goes around and interviews people about the zombie apocalypse. So each chapter or each little section of the book kind of deals with different things. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like it at all. Yeah. So it's really just another It's that. another action movie and what I remember what scared me the most about it is it was PG-13. Yeah. Oh, the I uh, yeah. Um, Man. I it's not rated yet, but I heard they're trying to aim for a PG-13 rating, uh, which sucks. Yeah. Because you know, if it's a, if it's a good enough movie, if it's rated R, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, even Dawn of the Dead, the remake, made like $90 million. Now, I know this movie needs to make more, but right. I don't know. We'll it, see. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah it's a, it's, I think it's a shame. because It's a little apprehension watching it. I mean, yeah. I mean, now, I certainly wasn't disappointed because as we've talked about on the show, they signed Damon Lindelof to rewrite the movie after they were done shooting it. So at that point, I know this movie is shit. Like, <laughs> there is no writer on the planet, no matter how good. You could not get Aaron Sorkin to rewrite your movie and suddenly make take it from garbage to awesome. Like, that's not possible unless you reshoot the film. Yeah. So, the you know, once you start trying to bail yourself out like that, the... Which will be interesting because, I, you know, the one thing I do look forward to on stuff like this is the Blu-ray will hopefully have the original movie plus oh. the new one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they, if, if they sort of give you an idea of what stuff they changed. Yeah, after, I yeah. think it'd be interesting. It would be. If only, especially if it fails. I, I would love it if, um, especially like with a movie like John Carter, if, the, if, they, if it really tanks. Like, really put that shit out there and let us see, like, okay, here's how this movie fell apart. Like, this is what we had, and this is what we tried to do to fix it, but it just never quite worked. Because I think, I think movies, that would be fascinating. Yeah, because I think movies like that, I think, would benefit, because I think it'd be more people to buy the Blu-ray. Yeah. Because, I mean, after you lose money, eventually you want to try to sell a couple million Blu-rays, because that's another $30 million in profit. So, it's... Yeah, I don't know. And uh, we have seen them do that before. Like, you know, I Am Legend, for example, yeah. they always they put out a thing that had like the alternate ending. Which is and, way better, by the way. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Prometheus has an alternate ending and an mm-hmm. alternate beginning. One of the two is way better than the original. Um, so, it yeah, it does happen. And I, I could see them for sure. Yeah. It's, it's harder if it's just completely re-edited. You know? And again, the movie but, is still seven months away. Yeah. So maybe they can do something. Well, we'll but see. it should have been out now. That's what's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it We're is. We're getting this trailer at the time the movie was supposed to release, um, which is another bad sign. Yeah, that's um, true, too. CBS is uh, finally embracing Hulu, which is a big deal. So now if you're you know, an old person who watches a lot of CBS and you miss this week's episode, then you can go watch it and not have to deal with their garbage site. Uh, every time I would miss a, an episode of How I Met Your Mother, it's part of why I torrent now is because their website was so just ridiculously stupid and it was impossible to watch an episode and enjoy the show. Um, so that is a good thing. Sweet. Uh, and... The last thing is that um, after after Disney purchasing uh, Star Wars and all of Lucasfilm last mm-hmm. week, there started this rumor about them buying Hasbro as well, which um, 
Hasbro has denied it, and I don't think that it's necessarily going to happen, especially now that Hasbro says it won't. Uh, also, I don't think it'll happen because, you know, to buy two huge companies two weeks in a row is real ballsy. Yeah. And Disney has a lot of money, but you can't start throwing around $10 million, you know, in a month. Oh, no. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal. But the reason I think it has some weight is because if Hasbro were going to sell, now is the time. You've made three huge Transformers movies. You have all these properties that you are trying to make movies like out Connect of. Connect Four? As, that's the thing. Battleship did okay, <laughs> and you're talking about maybe making another one, but like Ouija. Okay? Ouija is going to come out, and it's going to be garbage. I'm just, it's, it's got to be. I can't believe that movie will be good. So you, you convince Disney, hey, we got Disney, we got, you know, we've made these other movies, they did well. Ouija's going to be great. You guys should totally give us $4 billion. You take it and you go buy a yacht. And then you never have to worry about the Monopolies and the Ouija's and the other stupid shit you've got. <laughs> and Candyland, starring Adam Sandler. Ugh, yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't think it'll gonna, it's going to happen, especially now that Hasbro says no, but we'll see. Still, it would probably be good. I did talk to a friend, though, this week who said that. The one reason it makes the most sense is because Hasbro's been making the Star Wars toys for quite a while now. They have all the rights to that stuff, so it would kind of make sense as far as merchandising is concerned. Yeah, maybe they just do it for merchandising, maybe not both. the movie part. Yeah, it could be even that's where the rumor comes from, is that they're trying to buy away the Star Wars merchandising rights from Hasbro. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that's the news for this week. Light week of news, huh? Yeah. Well, there was a bunch of Star Wars news, too. Like, everybody in the original cast says they'll be back. But that doesn't mean they'll be written in this movie, yeah, so it doesn't I really some, matter. I, I read something too, where the Toy Story three writer wrote a spec script for it. Uh, yeah, apparently he's been working on it. His name's Michael Arndt, um, or Ar Arndt. I there's a lot of consonants in there, um, and he's been working on it for a few years apparently, and they have confirmed that he is. Uh, that he has been working on it um, doesn't mean that he'll be the last person to touch it. Mm -hmm. uh, I would totally expect them to bring on one more person before it, you know. A, a, a script that only has one or two hands on it is a script that needs, you know, a few more goings over usually. So Maybe. Yeah. It, I mean, it might be genius. But, Could be. Uh, you know. You never know. So this week, it's Comic Book Corner for James. It is. Comic Book Corner time. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. It's funny. I thought of this one this week, and I was like, oh, how have we not talked about this before? And I should wait. And do it next year when we talk about uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, but I'll just do it now, and then you can read it now, and then you'll be ready for the book, or for the movie. A um, couple of years ago, Scotty Young and, shoot, what's the writer's name? Uh, Seanheimer. Seanheimer. No, it's really it's, long. Sean yeah. Wormer. It's really hard to pronounce anyway, so even if I had it in front of me, I, I wouldn't do that well. Um, the important part anyway is Scotty Young. But uh, these guys got hired to do a comic book adaptation of um, The Wizard of Oz. And and it, it did so well that they keep doing them now as well. You know, they're, they keep doing, like, sequel series and things like that. And they're all fantastic. But The Wizard of Oz uh, is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you can buy it as a trade. And, you know, it's one of those books that you pick it up. And if you don't know a lot about comic book art, you might see Scotty Young's art and be like, well... It's sketchy or whatever, um, but the truth is uh, it's it's so detailed and so consistent, and especially the way that it's colored. It's really unique. It's just You know who has gorgeous. the first issue of that? You do? I have the whole first run of it. I, I remember picking it up 
because of how the art was laid out. Yeah. And I had no idea it was going to take off like it did. I mean, I was was literally at um, Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, and Mm. I was there, and I always perused, you know, the the new releases. I always check stuff out because you never know. And the art for the first thing, this looks kind of interesting. I picked it up. You know, five, six years later, that issue is worth like $70 because it's really hard to find. Yeah. And it is kind of too bad that the the collection they have is a smaller version of it, mm. so the art is just a little bit more compact. Um, but it's still like if you uh, if you have kids, buy it for them and either let them read it or read it your read it to them. And it's or, not just the art; the the ad- adaptation is really yeah. whimsical. It's really oh, yeah. good. That's the thing. I, I think that especially if you've only ever seen the movie, there's a lot of stuff that's not quite the same. Like it's the Wood Tin Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff that's been. Uh, changed over the years and and he he does a really amazing job at uh at adapting that book and making it feel fresh yeah um, and especially the uh, the sequels which i started picking those up in issues uh you're right they're just so whimsical like they're just so much they're, they're a light read i think i remember reading that he did an adaptation for another company yeah and there is a there's a convoluted story behind yeah but starts. the marvel uh, back then, they wanted to do what they call literary classics, where they take right. um, in public domain stories and say, you know what, we're going to make a comic out of it. And yeah. I know they did um, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz was the first one, and I think they did Pride and Prejudice and a couple other ones, mm. but they did not take off. Like, I mean, obviously, The Wizard of Oz are still making them. Yeah. You know, they did The Ozma of Oz and all this other stuff. Ozma so. of Oz was really good. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. You should really pick them up. And not just if you have kids. I mean, they're really good books. Yeah. They really are. You, yeah. You buy it, you know, sit in the bathroom, read a little bit while you're pooping. Like, you will you will really enjoy the hell out of this book. It is it is absolutely fantastic. And the truth is, sometimes I pick it up and I just flip through and just look at the pages because they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're and he, has, gorgeous. he does a really good job with layouts. Yeah. Um, he doesn't make boring layouts. Well, and and just the way he communicates through the characters, you know, it's a, it's a thing that not all, uh, even great comic book artists are oh, not yeah. real good at letting you look at a character's face and know what what they're like the emotion that's coming through with what they're saying. Um, it 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 makes it. He's so good at it at you that you could stare at the book like a, like a kid who can't read. You could stare mm-hmm. at the book, look through all the panels, and know what the story is. And I think you're right. I think that is, you know, really makes a great comic book artist is it's not how well you can render women or how well you can draw superheroes is how well can you tell the story um and i've always said my favorite spider-man artist sal bissima at the end of a spectacular spider-man 200 um the writer said he had a bunch of dialogue written so he got the pages back he's like i don't even need to put the dialogue in when you're able to tell a story, yeah. the last five pages of that comic have no dialogue, and yeah. it's with the death of Harry Osborn, and it can convey it. You're a great storyteller, yeah. and uh, that I, I think you're right. Scotty Young is a awesome storyteller yeah. because his style, you know, it's also it's really easy to read. Like your eyes will go to the right place, yeah. um, which sometimes gets lost in comic books too. I think sometimes all those crazy scenes where they have panels going all the way across the top, and yeah, you know, and when they have word balloons everywhere like where yeah. do you who do you read next but yeah that what a great pull out um you know I'm, i didn't know you read those i oh yeah they're, they're those fantastic. are you know one of my ones that i just picked up just for the hell of it because yeah. i loved the art and then i loved the writing and that's why i was surprised we hadn't talked about it before because it really in comics for the last few years it's been a big deal it, it has it really exploded but so yeah i mean you can probably pick up the trade i don't know if you I'm can sure find you this can. yeah i don't think you can find the single issues anymore no, i doubt for that. the first series <laughs> maybe not maybe not even the ones after that i know they're um, 
they're uh, very I think, limited. I think that now they've started getting to a place where now you can find them because cool. I've seen like like I've been able to like if I wanted to start back with uh, what's the latest one that I think Dorothy of Oz mm-hmm. is the newest one. Yeah. If I wanted to go and pick up the pick those issues up, I could find them. That's good. Because uh, like with Ozma, which I was getting in issues, I would miss one every now and then, and I could go find it. It wasn't that hard. That's good. Yeah, maybe yeah. that that first series. Well, the first couple ones, they yeah. just. I mean, they were popular. Under ordered, I guess, would be yeah. the right word. Yeah, because those are probably ones that they don't go back and you can do second no, orders on. No, 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 no. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, James. Great choice. Thank you. Stuff we've been watching time. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I only watched a couple things this week. Um, the the most uh one that got me the most was The Walking Dead, which was amazingly sad. Yeah. Uh, Brad, you're still behind, right? Yes. Fucking A. What good are you? Um, no good. No good at all. So we can't talk about the spoilers, but huge shit happened this week. Um, and how great was Chandler Riggs? In sure. Oh, man. Chandler Riggs knocks it out of the park. Andrew Lincoln's last couple minutes oh, are man. amazing. Dude, his, Absolutely amazing. his face, Yeah. when he sees what happens, oh, yeah. my gosh, dude. Your heart breaks. Yeah. Um, and I know some people complained that they did that flashback to season two when he's talking to him in the barn, which yeah. I actually thought was really good. I think I think so too, especially because if you're if you're somebody who is not as into the show as you know some of the dedicated fans are, mm-hmm. you might have forgotten that, and you might have forgotten what uh, why you know the motivation. Because for that it also, um, I mean, we'll be as vague as possible, but you know the evolution of. Um, Carl as a character right. is so good, and then that moment is so good, where he has this this really big vulnerability, yeah. and then he realizes that he has to be a man. There's no more being a kid anymore. Yeah, which... and I I think that they uh, they're drawing a really good line and and doing a more interesting job even than the book did of uh, of having him walk back and forth between is he crazy and as such a victim of the world around him is he really just falling into a bad place trying to adapt or is he trying to stay good and trying to do his best and and Mm -hmm. it's it's been and this is over basically four episodes that they've been exploring this and it's been absolutely fascinating uh it is what i think is going to save this show um not that it needs saving but because i mean doing amazing but Mm -hmm. the truth is critically especially last season it was not the most loved thing. Um, but this to me is, is a huge turnaround. Um, I still think like the, this is one of the, of the four episodes. This is one of the weaker ones, I guess, because the, the how, mm-hmm. how zombies get in the jail spoilers um, is a little bit weak. It's like, okay, hold on. How that, how did that happen? But, but the, the reveal of how it happened, I thought was pretty interesting because yeah, it was kind of one of Rick's decisions that came back and literally yeah. bit the group. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. Was, yeah. It was kind um, of and and it's it's so fantastic when those alarms start going off and you're like oh shit mm-hmm. like oh my god um, but still uh, yeah it's fantastic so yeah the Walking Show. Dead was really good I uh, the the bad thing about me working really close to a Walmart is they have a <laughs> a bin in Walmart where it's seven dollars for Blu-rays and so yeah. when I'm really pissed off at work and I leave work and I go there. I just dig through there. And this week I picked <laughs> it's like the behavior of an alcoholic. <laughs> only only way more beneficial to your life. Um so I picked two movies. The first movie I watched was called Sucker Punch. Oh, had you never seen Sucker I Punch? I haven't. Oh, and, and now you own it. I own it. And I I will say I don't think it's a bad movie. Uh yeah. Um 
it's man how do i describe this movie um if you just like women just kicking ass for some unknown reason yeah yeah um i did not watch the theatrical cut i watched the extended cut first Oh, which i've never seen i only saw Um, in theaters which you think they would have more story it's really just the dancing from what I've heard. All of the, in the theaters, mm-hmm. as soon as the girls start dancing, you go right into the fantasy. So you never really see a lot of the what, what's going on in the real world. You don't, uh, except, for, except for like, oh, really? Yeah, because every time I she, thought, you know, she's supposed to dance and then she closes her eyes and it opens yeah. again. Yeah, then she's in some different world. Oh, I thought I, thought um, I remember that was the biggest thing that they changed. I, I, like I said, I'll have to watch the theatrical cut because I don't know. But I, hmm. I, I will say, uh, of course, Zack Snyder makes a really visually interesting movie. Yeah. Um, there's just uh, it, even though I knew like the the basic premise of the movie where this girl's put in an insane asylum and she creates this world to escape what's happening to her. Yeah. It's still like it, it was hard for me to make sense of it sometimes. Yeah. You know because. I mean, when it switches from the insane asylum to a burlesque, you know, it, it, I mean, it's so sudden that yeah, you're yeah. well because it's three fantasies. It's like Inception, <laughs> only not not quite as brilliant. Because um, yeah, it's three it's three fantasies deep all the time, and they're mm-hmm. always changing. And I think that is the the biggest problem is that um, the the action it, it, it's style over substance. It's, yeah, it's you, almost you have too to convoluted for its to. own good. Yeah. Um, because. Uh, I mean, the, there's action sequences when she jumps, when they're on the train and they're killing all those robots yes. is badass. It's amazing. It's the best sequence in the movie. Um, I mean, I like too when they're killing the Nazi steam monsters. I thought yeah. it was really interesting. I mean, there's really cool things throughout the whole movie. It, but, it's very heavy metal inspired. Yeah. But it, the problem is, is that then it has momentum problems because of it. You're right. Because, I mean, there's it, it's, it's almost like, because Zack Snyder helped write the script. Mm-hmm. It's almost... Like he, because he came from music videos. Yeah. He took songs that he really liked and he says, I'm going to write this story. I'm going to make these set pieces around this song and then I'm just going to put it together and hopefully something sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, the I thought the weakest story, which could have been cool, is when they fought the dragon. Yes. Which is like, come on, that could have been really cool, but yeah. it, it wasn't. Um, and then the. It just doesn't, it doesn't dream enough. There's yeah. not enough, like, really awesome shots and, and uh, sequences in that. But I will say that I love John Hamm in it. I love yes. when he, <laughs> oh, he plays, uh, was it Cool Guy? What's his name in it? Mm. High Roller. Yes. And he, you know, he's trying to seduce um, Baby Doll and you just, you, I mean, it was, it was, it was sexy and but you, you're also John Hamm is like 20 years older than this girl. But. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, it draws this weird line between like it's not even weird a good portion of it is well disturbing Mm -hmm. um but then like the it has weird feminine issues as well because Mm -hmm. like on on one hand they're objectifying the women and then on the other hand we're seeing these guys who are objectifying the women and then you don't know like where okay where does that put me you know because you're doing uh, it uh i don't think like there was a large feminist community that hated that movie. Um, and I think that they are misplaced because I think, I think at so the end too. of the day, uh, a movie where uh, chicks kiss, kick ass and are feminine at the same time can be okay. I think um, so too. But there is then like, well, there's also like assless chaps and like weird stuff. In yeah, there but, they, like, they but, they're, but they also are using their sexuality to their benefit. Right. And so see, that part, I'm that part I'm on board with where some people were not, um, but anyway, it so it's, it's, it's just it's a weird. Movie. It's a weird movie. I'm gonna watch it again because the Blu-ray actually has tons of features. One is maximum movie mode, 
And then there's also a commentary with Zack Snyder and the writer. Um, so I'm going to go back and kind of watch it um, with the commentary and see what his ideas were. And again, I mean, the movie looks really awesome on Blu-ray. I'm not going to lie yeah. about that. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely it's gorgeous. It's fantastic. Um, but the second one made me happy. Um, digging through, I'm just, you know, looking for some movie. And out I pull the 30th anniversary of Blade Runner. No way. Yeah. That is $7? Hold on, yeah, guys. I got to go to Walmart. But it's here's the the little catch, though. It's only the the final cut, which so it doesn't have yeah. the, the other two. But, oh, wait. Also, I, I actually already have Blade Runner on Blu-ray. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> but um, I have not seen that movie since I was little. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember really anything from it. I mean, I just remember that... Harrison Ford kind of plays this jerk detective really is what I remembered from yeah. it. Um, but one, the Blu-ray is stunning yeah. for a movie that's 30 years old. Yeah. Um, I don't, I didn't remember, you know, cause we talked to uh, Paul Salmon and I, when he was talking the stories, I'm like, I guess I kind of remember this movie. I don't really. Right. Um, so I'm watching it and there's, Ridley Scott, even back then, was such a sophisticated filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't cry, but when Deckard's shooting that uh, snake dancing yeah. um, replicant, the, the replicant yeah. and she's going through all the glass and everything, it's the, like super sad. Yeah. And it's shot so well. And there's, oh man, the, it's, the movie's it's right alongside so of Alien good. where it, it's, it, the only times it doesn't stand up is when they use a computer, and that is so rare mm-hmm. that it's yep. just like the rest of the movie. You could have been made yesterday, you know. Oh yeah. The, the only things that flag it are that Harrison Ford is young, and that the computer goes like, boop, 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 you know. Yeah. Like, but other than that, I mean, there's the scene where I, I think I mean I have a couple really f- scenes that really stand out. Um, one is when Harrison Ford is talking to Rachel, and he's she because she's a replicant, but you know, yeah. how many questions? And just that whole scene where he's asking there these weird questions, and mm. um, I don't know, just something about the scene really struck a chord with me, and I didn't remember. Um, visually, is so cool. Like the whole movie is really cool. I love the you know the idea of the Blade Runners, and I, and even the last scene with Rudger Howard, which even though it's a little bizarre, yeah, but it's still. I mean, you still get really panicky because you know he's chasing him and he's sticking nails through his hand. Oh, and, yes, that whole sequence is just phenomenal, and even. Um, he saves Deckard. I mean, I, I just forgot these moments in the movie. Yeah. You know, he saves Deckard, and then he's telling him all this stuff, and he just he just dies because he knew he had no time left. Yeah, and it's man, the movie's so good. Yeah, that's all I can say about Blade Runner. There's it's, a turtle in the desert, and it's on his back, and you are not helping it. Yeah, oh, that scene. It's so well done. Everything in that movie. I mean, I can't even pick a performance that isn't good. Um, everybody has, you know, cause they, what I like too about the movie, they kind of got away from, they get away from the future. They, Oh, the, all these kooky people, right. you know, I mean, it's 2019 that will also date it, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um, but overall, dude, the movie's great. Who and knows? if you haven't seen Blade Runner, man, I haven't seen it 15 years. Yeah. And so it bringing back all these memories for it was really cool to see again. Yeah. And, um, there's an intro w- with Ridley Scott before, and he talks about why he loves the final cut. <laughs> and I don't even remember the theatrical cut. I had to have seen yeah. the theatrical cut because I well, watched it on VHS. If you want, I'll lend it to you. You can watch through it. Cause it's, uh, it's interesting to see how different those versions yeah, are. Yeah. Cause I don't, I know they're talking about, you know, the voiceover and stuff. I don't remember That's the voiceover. The, big, yeah, the VO is the one. And I remember I read an article afterwards that Harrison Ford kind of phoned in the voiceover cause he thought it was a horrible idea. Yeah. 
And he said, yeah, maybe it wasn't my best readings. So yeah. um, that's what I watched this week. Um, I enjoyed Blade Runner. I enjoyed Sucker Punch more than I thought I would. Um, it just because there's some cool battle scenes in it. Yeah. Not because the story is captivating. Awesome. Brad, what did you watch this week? I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't think I watched much of anything. I uh, saw The Dark Knight Rises for my ninth time. <sighs> wow. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that's still in theaters, honestly. Well, it's in dollar theaters, so. Nice. Uh, at least it was on Tuesday. And then uh, I think I just got caught up on uh, the current season of The Office. And that's about it. Man. What you watch, James? Uh, I saw a handful of things. Um, the first one was The American Scream, which was a documentary that was at Telluride, but it was on Sunday night, and so we didn't. We were gone by then. Um, and it's made by the guy who made... Uh, it's a documentary made by the guy who made uh, Best Worst Movie from last year or two years mm-hmm. ago, which was the movie about Troll 2. Uh, and this, I think, is better, um, mostly because, as far as I'm concerned, like 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 most great documentaries, uh, or I should say like some great documentaries, it, it stops being about what it's about, in quotes, and starts being about the people that it's, that it's dealing with. Um, basically, The American Scream takes place in this small town where... It's following these three different houses that are haunts where every come October or in some cases months before October, uh, they start prepping for doing a haunted house at their house. And none of these people do it professionally. They just do it because they love Halloween and they think this stuff is cool. Um, And then he sort of delves into like uh, how they do it and why they do it and how much dedication some of them really put into it. There's one guy who is really professional about it and spends lots of time and obsesses over it. And the reasons why he does it and the, his sort of backstory and, you know, why he didn't have that as a child is I think really fascinating, um, is then juxtaposed by these people who there's, there's one group, these, these guys who I think were actually my favorite. Um, it was this father and his son who, they are, I don't know how to say it, but awkward, socially, you know, outside people. Like, these are the kind of people that you don't think, I mean, the son does not have many friends. Uh, The one good friend he has is this woman who is clearly in love with him, but he has basically told her, like, I will never date you ever. Um, And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And the work they put in is like, it's like too. I, I don't know. You you have to watch it because I don't want to judge it because I I, res- I really do end up respecting it how much work they put into it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's it's horrible. Like I I really kind of wanted to see around their Halloween because I think like man it was just trash bags and like this this uh, clay thing that you built that's supposed to look like an alien but looks awful in the daylight. But then you see how many people came and how many people had fun and it's just. Um, it's a fascinating documentary and I, and I think by the end you are more invested in the people who are doing it and, and what's going on in their lives than you are in the idea of, of Halloween and haunts and stuff like that. Um, so it's really cool. I wish we'd gotten a chance to all see it at, at the show. Um, my wife loved it. Good, good. Cause I immediately texted her and was like, Oh Lord, you've got to watch this cause you will, it's right up her alley. Um, so yeah, it's and it's on Netflix. So you can just watch it f- for free if you have Netflix. Um 
and it's totally worth it. It's not even that long. Um, after that, I finally got around to watching the best exotic Marigold Hotel, nice, uh, which Russell has been telling us to see. Plus, it had Judy Dench in it, and we also saw another Judy Dench movie this week. So, um, this it's fantastic. <laughs> I, like it really is a gem of a movie. I immediately like I left it because I got it from Redbox. I left a note and left it on in, in the kitchen. Was like watch this for my parents because I was like they will adore it. Um, Judy Dench and Maggie Smith are Judy Dench and Maggie Smith, so nothing else has to be said. Um, and it's it's really neat. It's about these. If you haven't seen the trailers, it's about these the this hotel in India that this guy starts up, Danny um, Danny Pudi. Yes, yeah, from from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically because he wants to bring old people in uh, and have them retire in his hotel uh, because he wants to sort of, well, actually, it's just because he wants to make money. Um, And so it brings all of these old people together and we sort of meet all of their stories. Uh, And it's just, it's heartwarming and well-written and makes you think about stuff. And uh, it's, it's... You can't not just enjoy this movie. You know, when um, I saw the trailer, I told you guys, oh, "I want to see that movie." You, you guys looked at me like I was a. I did as not. A, was a was a Mary or something. I didn't. Uh, no, that can't yep, be true. That's that true. Cannot be true. That's true. Maybe no. it was Brad, but it was okay, one of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Brad would do it. Brad would do it. Any movie that's got Maggie Smith in it, I'm there. Um, uh, she's in all the Harry Potters. You Fuck. are a liar. Yeah, but she lawyered. She's later. She's hardly in those movies. She's really good in them. I'm sure. Yeah. No, she is. You're right. She, you're right. She was really good in those movies. Yeah. The rest of the movies are garbage. Um, and you are a liar. <laughs> uh, I also saw an episode of Castle this week, um, not because <laughs> Russell asked us to. It was a coincidence. There. It was actually because uh, my folks watch it, as I mentioned last week, and they did this episode that was all about like a murder in a convention, um, and and it is. It's a really good episode, especially if you're one of those people. I think they do they pay a lot of homage to that community and that kind of stuff and um there are a lot of really good firefly jokes in there and anyway, uh the unfortunate thing is that it's still an episode of Castle. Uh <laughs> and as great as Nathan Fillion is and as great as um uh what's her name is? Uh she's pretty. Stana Kotick. Um the show is still like every scene is at the end of the scene. Somebody says like, "Oh, well, because of what we the conversation we just had, it couldn't be the person we just thought it was. It's got to be this other person." And so there's no real mystery. Like it's one of those cop shows where that you can't figure out who it was because they just bounce you back and forth and make up nonsense. They literally have a laser gun in this mo- in this episode. Nice. There's a guy just invents a laser gun. The murder is committed with a laser gun. They there it leaves laser gun residue. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous like an episode of NCIS. Um so it, whoa, whoa, NCIS Los Angeles or NCIS? Uh I would say it's not quite NCIS La- mm-hmm. Los Angeles ridiculous. Um but it's still pretty ridiculous. So have no you, LL Cool J. Just to just to Get it aside. Have you ever seen the intro to NCIS Los Angeles? No. It is the most 80s fucking thing. It is so ridiculous. You know when I watch CBS? When football is on. And How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. How yeah. I Met Your Mother is on that channel. You forget it because it is way too young for that <laughs> yeah. channel. Um, and I put it on DVR, so I guess it doesn't really count. Yeah. Uh, okay. The last thing I saw was a movie called October Baby. Now... Um, I don't want to go into too much stuff about this. Um, if you, Ryan, you know, like where my mom works and things like that. And I, um, 
for years, especially the last five or six years, the Christian community of filmmakers has been growing quite a bit, which is not a new thing. If you know your Plan 9 from Outer Space history, you know that that movie was funded by a church that just wanted to make money back so they could make 12 Apostle movies, <laughs> uh, which any movie making 12 times its money back would be a miracle, um, much less Plan 9. Um, and so every year there's one of these movies that like blows up in the Christian community and everybody's talking about, and sometimes they're okay. A couple of years ago there was a movie called Bella, which was fantastic. Um, but most of the time they're those fucking Kurt Cameron movies, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen any of them. Obviously I'm in the community to some extent, so I've seen sections of Fireproof and it is the most appalling, distant from reality garbage that I wouldn't, if I watched it, I would, I would, it would not be fireproof. It'd be burned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, which is usually the problem. The problem is usually that like they, they put the message in front of actually telling a good story. And so you never actually relate to the characters. Uh, and October baby is half that. Um, the story is about this girl who finds out that she is adopted uh, because she is an abortion survivor, which is a real thing. It's really, really rare, though, um, and the way in which she finds out is ridiculous. But if we just take that premise... Wait, how are you an abortion survivor? Well, they explain it, but it, uh, it does actually... Is it like Charlie Kelly and It's Always Sunny? Um, <laughs> no, no, because that that's the thing. It's hard to watch this movie and not think about that episode. Uh, but no, it, 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 it does actually happen... Um, it usually has to do with like they f- they mess something up and induce labor, and then once once the child is born, that you know. But mm-hmm. they have they have um, usually worse medical problems than this girl has. Um, but basically, she finds that out, and then she wants to go and meet her actual mother and and find out the story of what actually happened. Um, and the first half of this movie is really good. Like I went into it really tentative and i was like okay i, I want to see this just so i can talk about it with people especially my mom who'd seen it and she really was f- furious about certain parts of it and was just like i want to talk to you about this because like mm-hmm. you know um so i really sat down and as i started it i had to do that thing where i was like okay want to like this movie james like really want to like this movie and it was hard but the first half I think is actually really good because it turns into this road trip movie and these these side characters are really interesting and there's this interplay between like this guy who's been her friend for a long time but he's dating somebody else and the the romance there is really rich and the acting is astoundingly good for one of these movies. Um, I, I would just say it's good for movies. Um, but the problem is halfway through they make the same mistake and they they start breaking all of the rules of writing in order to make their point about like okay well this is the message we're trying to get across um so i guess all of that is to say that this movie is not really good um <laughs> i wish that it was but like as i was sitting with my mom talking about it afterwards i laid out the plot of like okay this is how it should have been like she should have been told everything early on cuz that's the biggest problem is it's like it's 2012 mm-hmm. how many kids who were adopted don't know they were adopted 
any like how often does that happen anymore yeah i guess um, right yeah yeah and and just the way that it unfolds and these parents that don't talk to their children and you're just like come on you're writing for this problem mm-hmm. um and i laid out this plot of like okay and then it turns into a road trip and these are the characters that start saying things and this is how she gets impacted and and it's not like well at the end she randomly goes into a church and a priest tells her like hey you should forgive people like no her friends who you've developed relationships with should tell her these things yeah. um Anyway, it made me furious, and I would like for a movie like this to be good ever, but uh, I don't have any faith. Whoa, get it? I don't have any yeah. faith. Oh. Anyway, that's what that I'm watching. That was punny. <laughs> uh, speaking of punny, let's talk about Skyfall. This week we saw Skyfall. Brad, should people go see Skyfall? Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> James? Uh, absolutely. Like, this is totally a tentpole movie. If you miss this one this year, you miss one of the best movies of the year. Uh, yeah, Skyfall's pretty badass. This guy is not falling on the James Bond franchise. Bad. It's alive and well. In fact, if you don't believe me, listen to the trailer. It's gone. You both know what's at stake here. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. Likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors. This is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. fucking guy <laughs> this fucking guy yeah you know this movie I, I was talking to brad after the movie just just you know just as we do ca- casually yeah. <laughs> talking and so casino royale was kind of the restart of the james bond yeah movie and i think but 
this one seems more like an origin of James Bond, yeah. where it had, you know, all the trappings of a James Bond movie. It had, I mean, not as such blatant with the gadgets and stuff, but it kind of went back. Well, in to, fact, they, in fact, they quite they fly in the face of the gadgets exactly um, to some extent. Um, but basically, the, the premise is is uh, Daniel Craig is James Bond is killed, and instead of you know being sad, well, killed in parenthesis in quotation marks, yeah, he takes up retirement by having sex with some chick on a beach <laughs> and drinking. And that's the whole movie. Yeah, that's the whole him, movie. Him on a beach having sex with people. Uh, yeah. But no, then a terrorist strikes MI6 and then it comes into question is what their purpose is and he comes back and, you know, he comes back into the field, I guess. And yeah. um, it has so many aesthetics of old school James Bond. It's yeah. not even funny. It's actually the thing that impressed me the most about the movie is because I was so... Casino Royale to me was a real fr- breath of fresh air because mm-hmm. like they 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 took all that stuff away and just tried to make a, a really good spy movie, mm-hmm. um, and so it was always a fear of mine that they would start introducing a lot of that stuff back in, um, and and more than just like like they make the Money Penny joke in Casino Royale, but again spoilers for this movie, Money Penny is totally in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and and bringing back things like that, I was afraid like oh no if they start making it like real kitsch again. And so tongue in cheek that it's hard to even watch the movie. Um, but that's just because, you know, the last couple of Pierce Brosnan movies were bad. Um, but this movie, this is, as I said coming out of the movie, this is a James Bond ass James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Like everything is there, and they 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 treat it with uh, a a certain sense of like seriousness that that makes yeah. it really feel. I mean, there are still uh, there are a few puns like you know I feel naked without it. Oh come on, that one was bad, but. But for the most part, I I just bought it. I was just no, like, yeah. But what makes it cool is, I mean, it also had, there's a big thing happens and then you don't really know why it's happening. And it mm-hmm. kind of builds and builds until, I mean, um, Javier Bardem's character isn't, it, it, what, an hour and a half into the movie? Oh, an hour? It it's a, probably an hour, yeah. An hour, you don't even know who the villain is, but his villain is awesome. Oh, gosh, yes. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. He, uh, you know, there's always been jokes about James Bond having it's not even jokes it's a real thing about him having effeminate villains because of course he is supposed to be this you know symbol of masculinity and then he has these dude he gets shot and, and he still chases a guy on a train <laughs> yes yeah yeah no I know um, and so in this one they straight up were like hey what if guy comes in and just like hits on James Bond what would that be like but what's cool is uh, he played the character too is that he was in love with the James Bond girl yeah but he was also in love with how handsome Daniel Craig is, and yeah, it's weird. He's it, so it's, creepy. It's weird, um, and he's got a he's got a real good deformity. He does, man. It made uh, our friend Sierra all squeamish when oh, he took she out really? his dentures. Yeah, oh. <laughs> but yeah, back me and Brad were also talking about how like beautiful the cinematography was. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, I mean, everything in this movie is so well done. Uh, I don't. I'm not like a a huge James Bond. Uh, historian or anything, but can you think of another one of these movies that was made by somebody of the caliber of Sam Mendes? Like, What's... he is... He's a he's a big art house guy, like... Yeah, but I, you know... I guess Road to Perdition's a good-looking movie, but I haven't... And I don't think I've seen much of his other stuff. Like, he, he did American Beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, American Beauty, Away We Go. So I guess he's known for doing, like... The composition of like the shots in this movie and yeah. just the variety of like it, all the frames are just like their they're own little gorgeous. works of art. Yeah, you know? 
that uh, whole scene, everything's so plotted and like planned. That whole scene in Shanghai is just pretty to look at, yeah. and just the way like he's got light playing into what is actually going on in the in the. Oh in man, the climax is so menacing with that oh, fire in the background and yes. like the ice in Scotland. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when he's in Shanghai and he's chasing down that one assassin from the beginning of the movie and he's going through the glass building. Oh exactly. man, yeah. it's just gorgeous. Everything about it's just so nice. And, it, and it's interesting because this is the first time. I mean, Road to Perdition has a little bit of violence, but it's usually understated and and trying to be extremely realistic. You know, this this has some big action. That train sequence at the beginning is awesome. Yeah, it's and totally as soon as you ass. realize like what he's gonna do, uh, oh man, I was so excited. Um, yeah. Cause anyway, where I was going is like we've never seen Sam Mendes do action before, and I think he mm. he he pulls it off really well. Oh yeah, no, I think. You know, what's cool is it gets you right into the James Bond universe. I mean, the chase at the beginning, and then it cuts to the title where, you know, it has the naked dancing women and yes. the daggers falling everywhere. The return and, of the naked dancing ladies. Um, but it just a really cool title sequence. Really yeah. haunting title sequence. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. M- actually, my favorite shot from the title sequence is he's shooting the... the sp- the shadows on the ground yeah and he's just picking each one off and then the camera zooms into the bullet hole because that plays into the weakness of what he has out throughout the movie when he gets shot by you know the guy the guy he well, that, that hole in him is that was one of the things i had a hard time with was i was like okay he is actually more hurt by him getting randomly shot while in the thing than when she shoots him off the train well he does fall off the train and hit the water so well but you, you see what I mean? Yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah, Like, the, the the thing that hurts him, I guess it's really just the Because you still have the shrapnel and maybe the yeah. bullet she shot him went through him or something. When it's in his gun shoulder and all of that, like, we don't know where she shot him. We never really see that. But And it was really cool, too, because, uh, you know, M lies about him passing. I mean, you knew, you're watching it, says he passed those tests. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like What kind of screening process is <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. I, I, could, I could be an MI6. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then you find out that she just did it because he's the best agent they have and yeah. that she needs him in the field, and he proves it. I mean, he... Or even if that's not true, just that she likes him. Yeah. Like, she, she, she likes James Bond, and so she... Uh, even if he's not the best, she wants him to be the one working on her side. And you do kind of find out a little bit about James Bond when he was, you know, younger. He was an orphan, and she said orphans make the best yeah. um, secret agents because they have nothing to lose. Yeah, and I mean they hint to that in Casino Royale, but yeah. I think it's it's huge that we see. Uh, I saw a little bit of a featurette about this, and the, they did say that this comes from one of the books. Um, hmm. This whole sort of backstory. Um, I think it's huge that they actually show us the names of his parents. Because you know, one of the like fun it has nothing to do with the, in the with the actual content of the films, but this idea of like, well, James Bond is really just this name that they give whoever is 007 is named James Bond. It's a cover up, um, and they even lend some credence to that because you know they call Javier Bardem's character Silver, and he says like, no, no, say my real name. So it's like, oh, okay, so they're giving these guys fake mm-hmm. names, but then his name is Bond, uh, which is very much to say like, okay, well, these guys are all the same guy. They really, you know, he's a 104-year-old. <laughs> well, they even kind of did a wink to Sean Connery because his home is Scotland and, you know, Sean yeah. Connery's yeah. a Scot. Yeah, so. you're right. I was so hoping they were going to go into that house and, like, Sean Connery's going to be there yeah. playing, like, his dad or something. But who was, what was the name of the... golfing. The, it was Albert Finney. What was um, the name of the uh, his caretaker there? Uh, the, 
Kincaid. Kincaid. Yeah. Like, those characters could always come off as cheesy, but I like that guy because... Oh, uh, I love Kincaid. Because he killed a bunch of bad guys. Yeah. With a sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> he, he seems almost like a, like, stereotypical Scotsman. He's out in the out in the middle of nowhere in the fog with two dogs and a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously? Uh, and what does he say to uh, Bond when he comes up the hill? He's like, don't give me that, you little shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I, I already said how much I love Judy Dench, but a lot of this movie lies on Judy Dench, and yeah. she is amazing. Ray Fiennes is really good in it. Yeah. Um, the whole movie is really good. Yeah. I mean. Well, and because it's Sam Mendes, like, he is paying so much attention to the characters and the story that it is, um, it's, it's everything Quantum of Solace was not, um, in that it's just, it's tight, and you, you care about what's happening. Even when the... The set pieces, I, I mean, I have seen more bombastic James Bond movies than this one, oh, yeah. you know, um, but but you care more. Like you said, like in that last sequence, just the, just having the fire in the background, it's just dudes walking through a field and yet it's really exciting and you're and you're afraid of what's going to happen next and you you want James Bond to pull through, but they're just they're just going through a field basically, you know. Yeah. Um it's just the way it's lit and and all of the work that he's done to develop these characters that makes you invested. Well, that's what's cool too is because you know they spend, you know, the first half of the movie saying that James Bond is broken and, you know, can he do this and there's that moment when he's at that island and he has to shoot the the glass off the girl's head and oh, he yes. misses but then he snaps and he's he's throwing those guys over shooting them using other yeah. guys as shields and yeah. It's just really clever and then even, you know, when he's on the ice and he has no other choice but he uses it to his advantage and that's the kind of stuff I love seeing James Bond do. Yeah. And which was cool is they kind of brought, you're right, they brought back the James Bondish, James Bondiness to it, yeah. but they didn't make it, you know, hey, this is a, a whatever. Was it, it, it was it, part of it is, fest. Yeah, yeah, part of it is just that it was well written. So, like, yeah, there would be puns, but usually when they were well placed, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a, a pun when it's next to things like, Javier Bardem's amazing monologue about the rats as he comes oh, in. Oh, like, yeah, that's that, great. Not only that shot and how gorgeous that shot is, but that monologue is amazing. Like, it's it's up there with... I, I mean, this is uh, this is hyperbole probably, but as far as developing villains, like, it's up there with, you know, Darth Vader walks onto the ship. Like, you know, like mm. it's great. You know, you don't need to say anything else yeah, about a villain they, when they tell you a story like that. Because they also made it, you know, him larger than life because he comes down on the elevator. Yes. And he comes out and he addresses him right away as James. So you know yeah. that he knows who he is. So but, it's really cool. But I, what I was trying to say was that when you put puns next to dialogue like that, the puns sell. Mm. Doesn't matter. You, you can say corny stuff, you know, every every now and Like I said, the one where he's in the shower with her and he, she's like, the the line about, you know, I like you better. We're um, so, something about her not wearing the Beretta instead of saying something about her not wearing her clothes. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a funny little pun. And then she's like, oh, I feel naked without it. And I'm like, oh, come on, that one yeah. was too much. But, but that but scene there where like half a dozen puns like that. The scene where they're at the bar and he's talking to her is amazing oh, too. Oh, it's great. Oh, exactly. And you know, it has that James Bond moment where they fall into the Komodo dragon. You oh know, my god, pen I forgot and, about that. Oh, yeah, is, little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dude gets eaten by Komodo dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was ridiculous. It was, but it fits in the movie because it's awesome. Was yeah. it just mirrored to that uh, when they capture Javier Bardem and he's sitting in the cell? Did I feel like the Joker in 
the interrogation oh, room. Oh, I knew it was, yeah. A little bit. Also kind of Hannibal Lecter-ish. Yeah. It's got some Loki to it because he's in a big round room and he also want, wanted to be captured. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you should go see Skyfall because it's awesome. Oh, yeah, dude, Hannibal. It totally is. The way he talks in that scene, it's very... Oh, man. He's, he, gonna, he's, gonna, he's getting out. Yeah, Javier Bardem, I bet he's really a nice guy. I bet in real life he's just fantastic. Oh, but if geez. I ever saw him, I would just pee myself. He's going <laughs> to get typecasted as an, a crazy motherfucker. With weird hair. Yeah, with with a bad wig. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh, man, now yeah. I'm thinking about that rat monologue he tells. I know, it's, it's, so it's amazing. Like it's it's one of those things that as you're watching you're just going this is this is great writing, uh, and that's the difference is that you can you can pull off the silly stuff if the rest of it is well. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny too when I was watching it and at the beginning when the motorcycles are driving across the roofs, I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure Liam Neeson chased a guy across <laughs> these same roofs earlier this year. <laughs> it was not as thrilling. It was uh, not. He did shoot him at the end. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny, I, I was talking to Ryan on the way, uh, other Ryan, in the car on the way home, and I realized, like, even though they 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 make that joke about, like, well, you weren't expecting us to give you an exploding pen, the truth is, they even get the gadgets in by having him have the old car. Mm-hmm. So there's still, like, that fun of, like, here, oh, dude, here's a car with all these gadgets and all that stuff. Um, and so it's it's a good move towards incorporating that stuff back into the movies well, as well. Well, you do, too, what you're getting into right away when the opening shot is James Bond turning the corner and it does that boom! Yes. Like the signature James Bond kind of guitar twang or whatever yeah. it was. And yeah. They even they even get the um aperture thing mm-hmm. at the end. Uh which you, that you're right, that really makes it feel like, oh, this is an origin. Like yep. now, you know, we're gonna move into some, some real stuff. In the office at the end, like a lot of the old Sean Connery movies started out with like James Bond walking into the office, putting his Hat and coat on the yes. coat rack, talking to Money Penny, and then going into the next room. Right, and then like it had that uh, very warm uh, aesthetic to it. Yeah, and they made an updated version of that. It was like blending the revisionist Casino Royale, Conan Salas into the old Sean Connery movies, even though this is kind of set in the future now. Yeah, so and it's just it's masterfully done. Yeah. I, I'd love to know when the commentaries come out, like. Like it's clear that Sam Mendes is—he's is, got to be a fan of of Bond movies and all of that. And I think I've heard him say in interviews that he he really wanted to do this. But I'd like to know how much of it was him, you know, pushing that stuff, and how much of it was just the Bond, um, whoever whoever the estate well, I read is it. that owns it, because it's the 50th anniversary. I, I you know, much like with Die Another Day, where that was an anniversary, and they tried to cram in like, let's get Halle Berry in that swimsuit again, like. This this they are clearly doing that as well, but much more adeptly to try and get all that stuff back in. I read an interview with Daniel Craig, and he said that he asked Sam Mendes to do it before anyone else did. Oh, and he he called up the producers and said, "Hey, I don't know if this is cool or not, but I asked Sam Mendes to do the next James Bond movie." And oh. the producer's response was, "Is, is he going to do it?" <laughs> <laughs> and so then they sat down, and uh, Daniel Craig made a conscious effort to kind of bring back the James Bonds. Thing, he said because he wanted to set up the world with the first two movies and yeah. then kind of get James Bond going again in the by the third one so it's a, it's really a shame it, it makes me more angry about Quantum of Solace now because how cool would this trilogy be if that middle chapter where he's you know getting over Vesper and all of that stuff and sort of fighting back against Spectre how cool would this trilogy be mm-hmm. if all three of them were this good yep man 
Quantum Solace is just kind of it's weak tiptoeing around like uh, we're just, this is just here because we need something here right now well and I've said before the biggest problem for me about that movie is that the the, the, the villain's plot uh, is that he wants to steal water so he can sell it back to people yeah. which is the wrong plot for Spectre um, especially since Spectre is not in this movie like they don't reveal that Javier Bardem was in any way involved with Spectre or whatever you know what's uh, cool though is like it's not another villain trying to like destroy the world with some kind of weird laser. device yeah it's, it's just, really just, it's just a revenge plot exactly yeah, yeah. Javier Bardem's only goal was to kill yeah. him yeah His well, only... but the the problem with the the the, the, the plot of Quantum of Solace should have been that Spectre was stealing water to keep third world countries impoverished, to keep bad regimes in charge there so they could sell guns to them because keeping bad regimes in third world countries is how Spectre keeps power over the world. That's a great idea. This selling water back, it's like, you know, hey, we got an ice laser. Hey, we got, you know, all of the other bad James Bond scripts, which I... I don't want that to come back. I don't want anybody to ever have a laser satellite. I, all of that, you know, big, like, oh, we're going to destroy the world stuff. It just, it makes for weak movies. Yeah. Um, this is a very personal, very yeah. introspective. Yeah. Like, on what it, it's, yeah, it what means to be Yeah, what mistakes have you made in your life? And that, the, I mean, the climax of this movie is in a church and Judy Dench being amazing let's Javier Bardem walk up to him and and she that, that scene between the two of them like it's mm-hmm. it's powerful um especially knowing what she what she probably at that point knows is about to happen anyway like he, there's a part of you that goes like ooh would she have done it would she have just gone ahead and like ended them both and let it go Whew. no bond movie has done a movie a scene like that nope it's great Next week, we'll be seeing Lincoln, and me and James will try to fit in the last Twilight Saga movie. We might just. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll see. If we'll not, see. If not, it might be two weeks before we yeah. actually get that done. Cause yeah. I, w- I would, you know, I know that some of the girls want to go, because, you know, you take a little liquor into a theater, and then that, that movie can be fun. Um, but definitely Lincoln next week is the yes. movie we're seeing. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, really looking forward to that one. Justin Gordon-Levitt making another appearance in movies. You you guys asked me earlier as if like I was ever going to fight to not see Lincoln and then see, <laughs> see Twilight. Like, come on. I'm um, not that much of a masochist. You can like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can email us, realnerds, at gmail.com. You can call us, 720-6nerds5. You can follow us on Twitter, at real underscore nerds. You can also visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us ramble on about James Bond. Next week will be Lincoln, and hopefully we can talk about it as awesome as Lincoln delivers speeches, which will not be the I, case. I think you just proved that we can't do that. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of <laughs> words to say that would be really clever, and I can't do it. Yeah, It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We can just say, Yeah. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye.